Welcome to the 114th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with New York Times bestselling writer John Sanford, author of the Prey series. His latest novel, Silk and Prey, is in bookstores now. Stay tuned for the interview. Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is John Sanford, the New York Times bestselling writer of the Prey novels. The latest novel in the series, Silk and Prey, is in bookstores now. In addition to the Prey series, Sanford has written six novels in the Virgil Flower series, and a seventh book will be published later this year. John, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sure, sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Silk and Prey yet, the latest Prey novel, how would you describe it? Well, it's sort of my reaction to uh, last year's uh, election cycle, uh, which I found to be extremely uncivil, uh, ugly in a way that that I really don't like, and that seems to have been the process for the... uh, for the last few elections, the last few national elections. And so what I did was I, I took a political situation, I pushed it to the extreme. Um, I have a young, um, I mean, a, a relatively young, 30-ish, uh, very rich, attractive woman in Minneapolis who is running for the U.S. Senate. Uh, she's quite qualified for the job, but her problem is that with just a week to go to the election, she's losing. She has... Uh, a narcissistic personality disorder. She has, she may be a psychopath, and she definitely has a couple of thugs working for her. And um, what they try to do is they try to uh, frame their Republican opponent with some child pornography. Um, the governor, who is a uh, liberal Democrat, uh, grew up with the uh, conservative. Republican senator and simply doesn't believe it and thinks this is a step too far, that things have gone too far. So he asked Davenport to take a look at it. And Davenport uh, begins to chip away at the uh, at the pornography uh, aspect of it, uh, beginning to indicate that the Republican was not guilty of having child pornography. Um, and that requires their uh, the, the young woman to to uh, take further steps to cover things up. Now she's in a cover-up mode. So that's uh, that creates a, a, a series of violent acts, and uh, and that's where the story goes. That's that's great. Well, you just mentioned that this was in reaction to uh, kind of your reaction to kind of national politics and and where things are headed in in that realm. I, I was just I was curious when you're thinking about a new prey novel, what what's the process like? Do you think of ideas and reject them because you've written a similar novel, or do you keep a list of ideas that you'd like to write about in future prey novels? Well, the thing is, is that um, that usually what I wind up what I'm looking for actually is a is a good character. I'm, I'm looking for a good villain. The villain is the person who really sets the tone for the whole book. Davenport stays more or less the same throughout the series. I mean, he he may evolve, but he doesn't. Uh, but the villain is the is the person that I have to find, that I, and that has to be an interesting person. Um, uh, a lot of the times, I'm, I'm kind of working off the news, but not exactly off the news. I. I um, for example, uh, we have a situation recently of three young women who were captured uh, or, or kidnapped 
10 years ago or so and held captive by a man who held them in his house in Cleveland and raped them. Um, uh, I would take a look at something like that and I would not actually think about doing a story that was similar to theirs. I wouldn't take three young women who were kidnapped and held. But what I might do is uh, I might set up a situation where the where the guilty guy was either being freed on appeal or had escaped uh, or, or somehow was out of prison and then have the three women get together and start thinking about killing him. Uh, so I would have, uh, I, I would play off the news. And, and, and so what I do is I don't really look for them. I just, uh, uh, since I, I read the papers all the time, I kind of absorb this stuff. Um, and as I'm, I'm coming up to a new novel, I'm, I'm mulling over those various aspects of it. Who would make a great character, a great villain? Uh, what would be a complicated and interesting situation? And then um, I start working with that. Gotcha. So you you mentioned the the appeal of the villain. I, I'm I'm curious, uh, given um, the longevity of the 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 prey novels and the Lucas Davenport, what what is it about Lucas that continues to appeal to you as a as a character and as a hero? Well, the thing about Lucas is that uh, is that he is both unconventional, but he has a very direct sense of justice. Um, he occasionally will do something that's illegal, uh, uh, technically illegal, but it's always in the search for justice. He doesn't do something illegal because you know for personal profit or uh, or that kind of thing. Uh, if he does something illegal, it's because he's trying, he, he, he is looking to get justice for people who otherwise won't get it. Um, and that, I think, is his appeal. We have uh, a situation in this country where justice sometimes seems kind of remote, uh, or a situation is so complex and so confusing you can't see your way through it. I mean, uh, you look at the situation with the banks, uh, and with the housing crash, which uh, devastated so many people's savings. And people have a, a, a feeling, I think, about that, is that there was never any justice to it, that the people who brought down the economy uh, actually got away with a lot of money and uh, with their jobs intact. And in the meanwhile, millions of other people are suffering because of their actions. Uh, so there's this, I think there's this hunger for some sense of justice. I think you also see that in the superhero films that uh, are so popular today where where, uh, where people who are extremely unconventional and a little weird and a few other things uh, fight with people who um, who, who are just uh, very exploitive, uh, violent, uh, and, who, and who have a sense of entitlement and they're going to get away with something. Um, and, that, and, and so... And so they have to be brought to, by, to justice by unconventional means because the system itself doesn't seem to do that anymore. So that's what that's what Lucas does. He cuts through a lot of the system, systemic problems uh, to arrive at some semblance of justice. Now, he doesn't always get there. And in uh, Silk and Prey is one of those cases where he might not get to where he wants to go. Sure. Sure. Well, well, I mentioned earlier your your Virgil Flowers series. What what was the process like when you started working on the first Virgil Flowers novel? How did you decide to create a new series featuring him? Well, you know, one of my problems with the Davenport series was that Davenport got married. Now, um, the thing about that is is that um, most people, 
including men and women, like to see the beginning of a sexual relationship in a book. Um, most books have the beginning of a sexual relationship in them. Uh, a lot of books uh, begin with the death of a spouse, uh, followed by the beginning of a new sexual relationship. Well, the thing about Davenport is is that he had had, as, as we got longer and longer into the series, a lot of sexual relationships, and he's such sort of a, a harsh guy, and uh, what it was beginning to look like as we strung this out longer and longer was that he was a sexual predator in some ways. Um, my original thought was to bring Virgil Flowers into the series as kind of a junior partner to Lucas, uh, and have Virgil have kind of a, he'd be an intelligent guy and a hardworking guy and a, and a guy who was very efficient as a cop, but he would also be a guy who would bring a, a lighter uh, sense of sexuality to the to the whole series, that he would and essentially replace Davenport so that he could begin to see, again in the Davenport series, a sense of... Um, uh, you know, of, of uh, boy meets girl kind of thing, and uh, but but he was successful enough that I wound up wound up spinning him off as a uh, as a book on his own, which leaves me a, again with that original problem: what to do about Davenport and with the uh, with sex in the Davenport books. And I, I haven't really I haven't really solved that problem. Um, but the the Flowers books are doing quite well on their own, so uh, I'm continuing those. That's great. That's great. Well, I know before you launched your career as a best-selling novelist, you worked as a newspaper reporter, including winning a Pulitzer Prize in 1986. When you were working in journalism, were you also writing fiction on the side? Did, did you write novels while you were during your journalism career? Yeah, I did. Uh, I wrote a couple of them, and they didn't. They weren't published. Um, uh, it takes a, it takes a while to make the transition, even if you have an inclination uh, and a strong urge to write fiction. It takes a while to get out of the out of the journalism mode, so to speak. Uh, journalism is a very condensed form of writing, um, and uh, what you have to do is you have to learn to relax. Uh, you still have to keep the writing clear. You have to keep the writing fluid, but you have to really relax it and and learn to take a little bit of space rather than write in that very condensed fashion. Some people have a very hard time doing that, and um, and so they may try to write books, but their books wind up being you know a third of the length they should be, and extremely condensed and very hard to read. Um, uh, so so uh, it you know writing fiction becomes a learning process. Uh, I still do a little bit of journalism. I, I went to Iraq uh, about four years ago and, and flew with. A, Aerosol Battalion for a for an online news outlet in Minneapolis, um, and uh, I also did some coverage of the 2008 uh, political conventions in St. Paul for the same outlet. Uh, just because I still enjoy doing that, but but uh, it is a different a different kind of writing and a different process. And and how do you think your journalism writing impacted your your work as a novelist? Well. Uh, it wasn't so much the writing itself; it was the it was the uh, career. Uh, the thing is, is that uh, the reason that a lot of journalists who have an inclination toward uh, 
uh, writing fiction. I mean, uh, people like uh, Michael Connolly uh, and and even people like Lee Childs to a certain extent who work in the media, although not directly in news, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that we do well is because the career shifts us around to look at a lot of different situations. So I've looked at a lot of cops. Uh, I've been in a lot of emergency rooms. I actually did quite a bit of medical writing at one point in my life. Um, and as a general assignment reporter, you're shipped around and and you see a lot of these things and it gives a certain veracity, I guess you'd say, to to the scene setting that you do in your books. So you know what cops look like and what they talk like and how they behave around a, a crime scene and and uh, that kind of thing. Um, so so uh, it sort of grounds you. It gives you a background for doing the writing. Sure. Sure. Well, given all of your success to date with your novels, what what advice would you have for aspiring fiction writers who may be listening? Well, one of the things you have to do is you have to persist. Uh, As I said, uh, you know, I was working as a journalist for a long time and I was getting daily advice on writing from the copy desk. And, and, you know, a lot of it was bad, I suppose. But, but, uh, uh, you know, they push you and they edit you and they're looking at your stuff every day. Um, and then you try, then you go to writing, trying to write fiction and, and you have to learn to persist at it. You can't, you know, it is a learning process. You're not going to learn it the very first time you do it. Um, so, so you have to kind of just, I, I guess that was the thing is that if you really think that you've got it to do it, you've got to persist at it. And the other thing I guess is that you just can't sit in your basement. You've got to go out and look at the world. Um, if you really want to do a good piece of writing, one of the best pieces of writing that you've ever done, uh, and you're a beginner, uh, go out to a bar or to a to a, a busy place, and then simply describe it. Uh, just write down what you see. Try to write nice paragraphs, but write down what you see, and you will find that the writing is very good. Uh, almost inevitably, it's it's uh, it's very good piece of writing, and you'll be surprised at how good it is. Um, and uh, if you just do that one exercise, all of a sudden things will sort of open up for you. That's that's good advice. So when you're working on your novels, do you outline extensively or are you more of an organic writer in terms of plot? Uh, I do not outline extensively at the beginning of the book. What I do is I come up with my uh, villain, I come up with a situation, and then I begin uh, kind of searching, uh, kind of a searching process to get uh, Davenport through it. When, when when we're doing this kind of thing, um, you understand is that, is that we're taking months to do it and we're thinking about it every single day. So it's not like reading a book where you experience it in a matter of hours. We're doing it. And so we can go back and forth and go back and forth and we can patch things and rewrite them and redo them and, and then move forward again. And so it, it's a searching process for me. My books are around... A uh, hundred thousand words long, more or less. I mean, you know, they they may be a few thousand words more than that, but basically, right around uh, ninety nine to a hundred thousand words long. Uh, when I get to about eighty thousand words, at that point, I know how the book is going to end, and then I do outline. Uh, I will lay down an outline to the end uh, that is not really extensive, but what I want is when I'm at the end of a book. I don't want that searching quality anymore. What I wanted to do was all of a sudden I wanted to lurch into a run and then run faster and faster until we get to the end. Right. And And outlining helps that. 
Gotcha. And in terms of like the the police procedure, g- given the 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 topics of the the novels and, and the settings, uh, at this point, do you do you have anyone um, in, anyone affiliated with with a police department read the the novel before it's published? Just in no, terms of some I of talk, I I I, uh, I actually I don't let anybody read the novel except my my partner Michelle and my son, uh, but. Uh, the the thing is is that I do not get very deep into police procedure in my books. Um, my uh, th- there's like a range of reality in in, uh, in police novels. Uh, Michael Conley, for example, uh, is probably the closest prominent writer now who writes sort of what the what police procedure and 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 police action is really like sure. mine is a little more movie like uh davenport does not spend a lot of time writing reports uh, he is mostly out there running around with a gun um so he is a little less realistic say than than uh, than michael connelly none of us are, are real realistic because uh cops just don't uh on their own you know, solve intricate murders. Uh, there, there's usually a lot of background support and a lot of talk going on back and forth and a lot of people uh, working together, and uh, that's hard to do with a, with a fictional hero. So uh, so Connolly will write, you know, his Harry Bosch. Harry, Harry will be uh, doing things pretty much on his own. Lucas does things pretty much on his own with some help from, you know, uh, Jenkins and Shrake and Dell and and uh, Virgil every once in a while, um, but but basically he's it's his case and he does it, and that's not uh, particularly realistic anymore. Sure, sure. Uh, so what are you working on now? I am just I'm sitting here looking as as we're talking. I'm I am writing stuff uh, on the front blank pages of a Virgil book that I am in the process of. Uh, doing the final cleanup on. Uh, I've got a lot of cleanup to do, and it's got to be done by the 15th, which I think is three days from now. Uh, the 15th to the 16th, it's got to be in New York. Um, it's going to take me probably six hours just to type in the changes that I've got written in here. This is about my fourth pass through the book. Um, Virgil books are a little shorter than the than the Davenport books, so they go quickly uh, or, or more quickly with, uh, with the cleanup, but uh, it's still going to be a chore. Gotcha. Well, again, we've been speaking with John Sanford, the best-selling writer of the Prey novels featuring Lucas Davenport. Sanford's latest novel, Silk and Prey, is available in bookstores now. John, thanks for doing the interview. Yeah, you're welcome. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, 
information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.